0: love the bishop tonight? I don't know why I said the word tonight. Don't you just love the bishop? Just remove the word tonight off of there. It was every day. Don't worry, bishop. Not just tonight. We love you all the time. Well, some, most of the time, I'd say. <laughs> I'm kidding, bishop. I'm kidding. I kind of feel like I want to come in like after he introduces me. That would be, uh, so I, I don't know if I live up to those words or not, but I'm, uh, I'm thankful. am thankful. Thankful just to be, uh, to be here, thankful for the the church this time of year, to be a chance just to be together with family and the the church family just to celebrate uh, the Christmas season that we are in, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ that we're getting ready to and celebrate all that. And it's just, what an amazing time it is to be living for the Lord. Amen. not people in the world, they don't think that, but I can look at the headlines and I can hear all the chatter on the job and all that kind of stuff and all the turmoil in this world, but we can come to here. we can say, man, what a time to be alive. Yeah. The people that you work with, they can't say that. They don't know that. They can't say that yet. But when they come in and be a part of what we're a part of, they can say, what a time to be alive. What a time to be living for God. What a great time it is to be a part of the church. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I I would invite you just to, to stand. I am going to do some teaching, some preaching, and we'll see what the all the Lord has for us tonight. Um, Johnny, you might just help me out as much as you can. I've, I have been traveling quite a bit this week, and I uh, <laughs> left early Monday morning for Fort Wayne, and I got in about 10 after 6 tonight, and just... Just been a busy week, a lot of meetings and a lot of things. So my voice is uh, a little bit, little bit weak. So, forgive me for that. But I feel strong in my spirit tonight because I know the Lord has given us some things to discuss tonight and to to dive into. And uh, we're going to begin reading uh, from Genesis chapter two. Uh, Pastor Jackson, this is sound familiar. I did preach from the same passage of scripture at Hope the other day, but. This is by no means the same message, although some that will bleed over here in the beginning. But in verse 18, the Bible says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone and will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature. That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and thought the fowl of the air to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh inside thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they're both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. I'd like to talk to us for a little while tonight on just this thought, apart or apart. You help me pray one more time, church God, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm thankful, Lord God, for your word. I'm thankful, Lord God, for everything, God, that you are doing thank God, for what you have poured into me. God, I ask God that you just help me, Lord God, to speak, Lord God, the things that you've poured into me, God, to pour out, God, into this congregation tonight, God. Because I know, Lord God, you've given Lord God a word. God, your word is blessed. Your word is anointed, Lord God. Anoint my voice, Lord God, and God, my throat right now. Lord, I give it all to you, Lord God. This is all for you. This is all for your kingdom, God, all for your namesake, and all for your glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to say in Jesus' name. Amen. And then clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you are seated. Amen. Now, I will give an early disclaimer for those of you that maybe that you don't have a, a spouse you're single, what have you, or for whatever reason, don't worry out there. I'm going to talk a lot in, in, uh, about marriage and connectivity and all the kind of things. What a blessing it is. I thank God for my wonderful wife, Ruth, of 21-plus uh, years. And uh, what a wonderful woman of God that God has given me. I don't take it lightly that I don't know how I got so fortunate at a young age to get, to get married to such a wonderful woman who just has a heart for God. I, I wish some of you all could just have a, a little glimpse into my house when it's you know when, when it's clean for her sake, um, and then could see just how much she cares about the things of God and and is just driven to the, the greatest things in her life are things that she's done for the Lord and that, that means so much to me to have a wife that cares so much about being a part of the kingdom of God and it's a, it's an amazing thing. I'm glad that God looked at me when I was. 18 and said, hey, you've been alone long enough. I'm going to introduce you to this wonderful woman. And, and so, because I'm an impatient person anyway, so God was like, I better get him married quick, find him the right woman right away. And so he gave me her, and he was nice. She was born in Seattle, in Tacoma, Washington, big city, and God said, hey, we're going to move her from Tacoma, Washington to Bristol, Indiana, a town of about 100 to 200-ish people, Maybe. Counting, you know, cattle and other animals that live there. And where there's no other men. Hallelujah. So I could come in and just swoop in and save the day. And so bring her out of there. Back to civilization. Sorry to any of my in-laws that are watching. But, but I, 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 I taught from this and preached from this the other day at Hope. And I, I, I just can't get away from this passage of scripture. Because it just, it just fascinates me so much. Here we have in the story of creation, God has made all these things. If you read the previous chapter, God's made all of this. And every time he does something, the Bible says that he saw it, and he saw that it was good. Time and time again, makes the cattle, the beasts, the fowl, and God saw that it was good. God's made all of this. He's put Adam in, the, in this situation. where the garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. It's sinless. Everything is right in the world. There is nothing to fear. I mean, Adam doesn't even have to worry about laundry. I mean, there is nothing to worry about in Adam's life. And God has made this situation. Everything that was there, God put there. And yet, in spite of all of that, God looked at at this situation, and he said, wait a second, this is not good. God's creation, God's plan, God's design... Adam perfect in every way all dominion belongs to Adam. Adam just finished naming all the cattle, all the he has all of these things. There is literally nothing wrong in Adam's life because God made him perfect. Yet God looked at the situation that Adam was in. A situation that he himself created and he said, "Wait a second, it is not good for man to be alone." That just fascinates me that of all the things that God created, that he made a situation that caused him to step back and say, all right, Adam, I need something for you that you don't even realize that you need for yourself. This was not Adam's prayer request. Adam never went to God and said, God, hey, listen, this is all great. And I love this, but I feel like something's missing from my life. Adam never went to God and requested, hey, you know, I'm, it's really difficult, you know, to 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 play tennis by myself, I I need somebody to to play checkers with, you know. I I need someone to hang out with, God. Besides all of this, I mean, listen that, that that horse you made, it is wonderful and it's great and majestic. But you know, it's just I, I need something different in my life. Adam never did that, but Brother Justin, God looked at Adam. He said, "Hey, buddy, it is not good for you to be alone." And so in spite of everything that Adam had, God said you were still missing something. Adam had dominion, he had perfection, he had sinlessness, but he didn't have this one thing that was missing from his life. And that one thing that Adam had was missing from his life was he had nobody to be unified with. Because the one thing that God needs for us to have, aside from dominion, aside from all this power and sinlessness and and perfection that God wants to give us, God said it is not good for man to be alone. God wants to make sure that we have somebody in our lives that we can be unified with and together. I am glad that God has given us a church to be a part of tonight. Adam, in his perfection, cannot be an island to himself. Even though he was perfect in every way, God said, I need to make sure that you cannot be an island all by yourself. Uh, That didn't affect his dominion. He still had dominion. That didn't affect his sinlessness. He still was without sin. Uh, But God said, I've got to give you something, Adam, that you cannot achieve on your own. There is one thing that you cannot achieve by yourself, and that is unity. And that is what I'm going to talk and teach about tonight is unity. This is not about marriage. While marriage is great and wonderful, I highly recommend it. All right, I love it. I'm so glad that I have it. But this is about the one thing that I cannot have by myself. It is about unity. God wants to give you unity. He does not want you to be alone in this world. Because if you are left alone in this world, then you are going to be, become fodder for the devil. You're going to become fodder for this world. It will chew you up and spit you out. You have got to be a part of the body of Christ. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing even for life forevermore. Unity was described in there in Psalm. He said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There are some things in this life that are good, but they're not that pleasant for you. When you get disciplined by your parents, that's good for you, kids. Levi is good for you. When I lose my cool and say, Listen, you're grinding for a week, it's good for you. That's, by the way, that's my default ground setting. When I get upset, it's the joke of the house. It's just like, that's just my go-to move. Boom, bam, no video games for a week or no this for a week. It's just, it's just a standard punishment across the board. It's just easy, a week, simple, seven days. A week from today, you'll be unpunished. But it is good for you when that happens. But it, trust me, he does not find it very pleasant. <laughs> there are some things that are good for you. I, as a kid, my, my, we lived with my grandparents for a while. After my parents got divorced, and at, my, at, their, at their house, there was always a green vegetable served with every dinner. And while no, there's not a whole lot of food that I don't like, and some, at that time in my life, green vegetables was not one of them. But my grandmother always had a saying, you have to eat your greens. It was just part of it at every meal, every dinner. It was, listen, you're going to have to eat your greens. I don't know what it was about the color of that vegetable that made it important for my life. But in her mind, that vegetable, that color, as long as it was green, it was good. So you had to eat it. It was just part of it. It was good, but I didn't find it very pleasant. And there are some things in life that are pleasant, but they're not that good for you. Because let me back to my grandmother. She also served us ice cream Sundays every night for the few months that for the months that we lived there. That was very pleasant. I enjoyed it. I was very thankful. Yes, please, another scoop. Yes, some, some chocolate syrup, sprinkles whipped cream. Absolutely. Thank you very much, grandmother. And but that was very pleasant for me, but it's not very good for me, and so but unity is something that is both good and pleasant. It is good to be unified with the body of Christ. It is also very pleasant to, to be unified with the body of Christ. It is a healthy decision when you lay aside everything about your own life and get joined up with the body of Christ. And this is, it's so good to be a part of his church. And trust me, I love living for God. How many just love being a part of the church? You don't have to worry about waking up with a hangover. You don't have to wonder where you left your car the night before. You don't have to worry about getting some disease or getting this in your life. You don't worry about going broke or going busted or anything like that. Uh, it's good for you, and you get to have fun. We, we laugh around here. We enjoy each other's company. It is good and, and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. I love being a part of God's church. He said it is like that precious ointment. It releases something. God told Adam that, that this is, you're going to leave your father and your mother. Well, Adam, his father was God. He left him and cleaved. That was how this was all was supposed to be. You're leaving one thing and cleaving to something else. You're leaving this world behind and you're cleaving onto the church. I mean, God is unifying us. And when you would do that, it releases a blessing in your life. That oil that he was talking about was that same blessing, uh, that oil, a blessing upon Aaron's head. And God will cover you from the top of your head uh, down to the soles of your feet in blessing. Uh, but you've got to be unified. Unity is something that you cannot do partially. Unity is something either that you have or you don't. There's no such thing as mostly unified. I can't just be partially married to my wife. We can't just be just, you know, we're not a 75% one flesh. We're not 85% one flesh. We're not 99%. One flesh. We're not 99.5% one flesh. We are 100% one flesh. We have been since May 27th, year 2000. We have been one flesh from that day to this day and will be that way until one of us or both of us pass away or until God calls us home. Because because unity is something you cannot just be 90% unified with the body of Christ. You can't just be 75% unified with the body of Christ. Hey, I'm part of the body of Christ on Sundays and Thursdays, uh, but the rest of the week I'm part of my job. That's not how this works. I can't just be 95% unified with the body of Christ. I'm going to give this up, this up, and this up. But God, I want to hold on to this for a little bit longer. Adam didn't get to choose what part of his body he gave up to make Eve. He didn't get to have a vote in that matter. He didn't, a- Adam didn't say, okay, God. God didn't say, Adam, I'm going to make you a wife. He said, all right, I'm going to lay you down. I'm going to take a rib out of you and put that in her. Adam didn't ask, hey, what can I get just for a hand? You know. He didn't make, make that, re- that request. You don't get to decide what part of you is unified with God and what part of you isn't unified with God. God's not looking for a percentage of you. God's not looking for a part of you. God is looking for you to leave your father and your mother and to cleave uh, unto him. He's looking for you to become a part of this wholly, completely. On Monday when you get up, you might go to work at your job, uh, at your factory, but you're still a part of the church. Uh, On Tuesday, you might go to the grocery store down the aisle of Aldi's, but you're still a part of the church. Uh, On Wednesday, you might be going out with friends to dinner, but you're still a part of the church. Uh, You have got to be unified uh, Amen. You've got to be unified every day of the week, uh, every part of your life. You've uh, been unified in your wallet, uh, unified in your bank account, unified in your education, uh, unified in your decision making. Every part of you has got to be a part uh, of Him. Because unity will unlock those blessings in your life. Why would you not want this? This is good and pleasant for you. It is good and pleasant. People who I know who struggle to live for God, who are miserable trying to live for God, is usually because they're not unified with God. They're like they were me growing up as a kid. Again, no offense to my parents. They got divorced. It's just how life was for me. But I was, you know, a few days of the week being at my dad's house, Wednesdays at my mom's for dinners every, every weekend at my mom's house. It's just how it was. I was partially living with this parent, partially with, with another parent. If that describes you, I mean, we know what I'm talking about. Every household's different. It's just kind of, it's just, it's, it's, you try to find your balance as a kid and all of that. There's no way for you to live for God, though. Some things in this world, we cannot help the circumstances that we are stuck with. But, we, but we, what we can decide is how much of God we're going to give ourselves over to. I mean, I'm going to give all myself to Him. I'm not going to withhold a thing from Him. He doesn't withhold any good gift from me. Why would I withhold anything from Him? It unlocks the supernatural. Unity will unlock the supernatural in your life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, "Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth." shall be loosed in heaven. That's one person, right? This is the power that you have as an individual, right? Whatever you bind on heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose on heaven will be loosed on earth. And then God takes it a step further. He says, again, I say unto you that if two of you, unity, shall agree on earth, as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now listen, you as a person of God, you as a child of God, God has given you authority. Absolutely. Adam had authority in the garden, but he could not fulfill the commission that God gave him to be fruitful and multiply until he had unity. And yet you as a person, you have the ability to bind things and loose things. Uh, But when you get with another person of God, when you buy, get bound together with somebody else, there, I mean, God can loose other great things through you. He said, if you shall ask, if be done for them, of my followers is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. God will open up more blessings in your life as you become unified with the body of Christ. There are things that only unity can unleash upon the body of Christ. Then Peter came, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? No, it's the brother that Peter is worried about. He didn't say, how often shall somebody out in the world sin against me? How often shall I forgive him? God, Jesus is teaching about unity. And Peter says, well, wait a second, God. What if somebody that I'm unified with sins against me? What if somebody in the church hurts me? What if something that happens inside this building bothers me? How often shall I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said, I say unto thee, until seven times, but, sorry, not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. This is how important keeping the unity in the church is to Jesus Christ. Because Peter, and they're having this whole conversation, you can go back and read, and we'll maybe go back into Matthew 18 here in a little bit, but you can read more about that. This whole chapter, God is talking about unity inside the church, and Peter is wondering, so what happens, God? What happens, Jesus, when somebody offends me in the church, when somebody breaks unity, and Jesus said, listen, you got to do everything you can to make this right? Nothing. Church, we cannot let anything come between us, right? We cannot let anything break the unity of this church. It is so important. It is so precious that Jesus said, listen, you just keep forgiven. You keep forgiven. You keep forgiven. Seven times, no, 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 Peter, 70 times seven. You cannot let anything come between you and your church. You cannot let anything in this world. This is why the devil fights so hard against you unity of the church. He wants to break it. He wants you to be at odds with your brother. He wants you to be fighting with your sister. He wants you to be offended by the things that are preached behind this pulpit. And when Peter said, what should we do? How often shall I forgive him? Jesus said, you better forgive him. Forgive him again and again and again and until there's nothing left but unity. We cannot let the devil disrupt the unity of our church. We are too close to his second coming. Uh, We are too close uh, to the greatest revival that the city of Louisville, this metro area has ever seen. Uh, We we have come too far and we've gotten too close. Uh, I'm not going to let anything come between uh, me and you. Uh, I'm going to love my brother. Yes, we're going to upset each other. We're human. We're flesh. uh, But that doesn't mean we can't overcome it. Uh, It is so important uh, because I'm ready to touch uh, with two or three of my brothers uh, and ask for things uh, that the world saying impossible but because i'm unified with the church god's gonna grain it i'm not gonna let something as silly as an argument derail what god wants to do in this metro area i'm gonna keep forgiving go ahead and defend me all you want i'm gonna forgive you anyway go ahead and get mad all you want i'm gonna love you anyway that's the attitude we have got to have because unity is what's going to release the revival Adam could not fulfill his commission to be fruitful and multiply until he was unified with Eve. And we cannot fulfill the commission that God has given us to have revival in this metro if we're not unified with each other. Unity. You go up there, earlier in the chapter, he talks about The hundred sheep, that story that's in Luke 15, it's also in Matthew 18. The whole chapter, there's a hundred sheep. I only count 99. It's not good enough. I better go out. I got to get unified. We have to have all of us. Every one of us. You are so important. You are so important to the fulfillment of the commission that God has given our church. This is how we're going to fulfill the million-dollar mission. This is how we're going to buy that building. It's how God's going to give us that building. It's how God's going to open up uh, the door in Jeffersonville. It's how God's going to open up doors all across our campuses uh, and all the other places. Uh, it's how God's going to give us more and more small groups. Uh, it's going to be from being unified one with another. <laughs> Got to have it. Got to have it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need a... Volunteer for this part, not a volunteer, because I'm going to tell somebody. But hey, Jake, Stotts, can, can I can I borrow your son Carson for a little bit? Yeah. See, I, you got nervous like you were like, well, not me. Yeah. Now you borrow Carson, come here for a second, buddy. I was afraid you would say no, but your dad said yes, so <laughs> come here. Don't worry, no harm will come to your son. You doing good? Yeah. You nervous? Yeah. you trust me? Mm-hmm. Cool. Right, you get it standing? What? You get it standing? Can you stand? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. You know, the Bible says like, all you haven't done all you can, therefore you know stand there for all that stuff. You good? Yeah. Cool. Staying right there. All right. So I'll be back to you. Just stand there for a minute. Ignore him. He's for later. <laughs> I, I was thinking this week and studying. And thinking about all the, the miracles of the Old Testament and some of the things that they accomplished and things that they did. And I was been, I've been thinking about the, um, the miracles of, of Moses and the, the ten plagues. And the greatest miracle, I, I, I kind of just began to think, what's, of all of those ten plagues, which of those would have been the greatest of all the miracles that occurred during that time of them being in capture and Moses is turning water into blood and there's flies and there's darkness and there's pale and, and all this stuff, locusts. I mean, there's a lot of things in the Bible I would have loved to have seen. Honestly, like that whole period is not one of them. You know, I'm glad I wasn't a part of any of that. It just sounds disgusting. But miraculous. Don't, sorry, not, no offense, God. It's just gross, though. So I think it was your point. But to me, some of the things that happened there at the end is, is really what is most miraculous. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. And this is the chapter where God begins to tell Moses and Aaron what they have to do to have the Passover. It's the intricate instructions. And for the next 20 verses, God lays out this plan. And you got to have, on the 10th day of this month, you got to get this lamb. You got to keep it for four days. And if your family can't eat it, then, then you're going to have to get with another family. Divide it up among yourselves and make sure that all of it is eaten. All these intricate instructions happen. Let's keep it down to verse 21. The Bible says, And Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said unto them, Go, pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal drain the blood into the basin and take a bunch of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses and no one may go out through the door until morning for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians but when he sees the blood on top of the sides of the door frame the Lord will pass over your home he will not permit his death angel to enter your house And strike you down. Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe the ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, here's the greatest miracle. All the people bowed down to worship ground and worshipped. Not part of them, not a portion of them, not 98% of them, but all the people. Verse 28 says, so the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoners in the dungeon even the firstborn of the livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all of, the, all of his officials and all of the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Verse 28 again says So the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded through Moses and Aaron. As a person who used to teach middle school, that is a miracle. As a person who preaches the gospel, that is a miracle. Brother Bright, Moses, this brother just gave instructions. And these people had the audacity to do exactly what Moses had said. Bishop, could you imagine? Brother BK, there was no Remind 101 for them to send out a reminder to them. They didn't make an announcement 100 times behind the pulpit. I mean, we have announcements about turning faucets off. And these people, with no Holy Ghost at all, have been enslaved for all this time. They literally just did what the preacher asked them to do. They actually disobeyed. It's, I'm sorry. Maybe this is only funny to me and other preachers and, and parents. But, could you imagine parents, you tell your kids one time to clean their room and then you come back and it's actually clean the first time you remind them. Could you imagine telling your kids just to take the trash out to do their chores while I'm gone getting groceries? You come home, and the trash has actually been taken out, and the chores have actually been done. I, I wonder how if Moses really thought this plan was going to work. <laughs> so wait, God, I'm just going to tell them, and then they're going to go do it. There's intricate instructions. Ten days. Get a lamb. Ready to, you, you can't sit down. You've got to be girded up, ready to go. We're going we're to cook it this way. You're going to put blood on the doorpost. How many times do I have I told me, God said, no, just tell them, and they're going to go do it. But they had that unity about them. They were ready to get out of Egypt. Listen, you've got to be ready for when the instruction of the Lord comes into your life. You better be ready to obey. You better be ready to listen because you have no idea what tomorrow may hold in your life. You have no idea what you're about to unlock Uh, when when the preached word comes from behind this pulpit. uh, And you better be able to say, okay, listen, preacher, you don't have to tell me any more times. Uh, If you tell me it's important for me to be a pre-service prayer, I'm going to be a pre-service prayer. If you tell me it's it's important for me to pay my tithes, uh, I'm going to pay my tithes. Uh, If you tell me it's important to be a part of the million dollar mission, uh, I'm going to be a part of the million dollar mission. uh, Because I don't want to miss out on these things, uh, out on the Blessing. Uh, I always begin to wonder. I wonder what would have happened if one of them didn't obey Moses. Would they have even got delivered out of Egypt? Would they have even made it? Would God could God have blessed them if even one family had stopped and said, nah, I don't like lamb. My blood on my doorposts. Ugh how hard that's going to be to clean? Ridiculous, Moses. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I know. It may get me delivered out of this land that I've been imparted. My family's been here for hundreds of years, slaved for over 100 years. But I don't know. Yeah, we've seen all these miracles, blood to water, cool, whatever. I haven't seen it here in Goshen. We've been blessed. It's been fine. So I don't know if I'm going to obey this one. I don't think I might sit this one out. What would have happened? But yet all of them, every one of them did, and God released them. See, unity will set you free out of the land of Egypt. Unity will bring deliverance to you and to your family. When you are unified, it brings deliverance into your life. I mean, you cannot be delivered if you're not unified with the body of Christ, but unity does that. You go down more into that chapter in verse 34, it says the Israel's took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles. Man, look at that. The people of Israel did as Moses had instruction. What a novel idea. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. They listen to the priest word of God. They were obedient, they were they were in unity together. They did exactly what the pastor had asked them to do, uh, and God released blessings on their life. Uh, they got delivered out of Egypt, uh, and they didn't leave there broke, busted, and disgusted. Uh, and then God released a healing in their life. The Bible says that there was none feeble among them. Uh, when you have unity, you will have deliverance in your life. Uh, when you have unity, you will have healing in your life. Uh, and when you have unity, you will have blessings. Uh, in your life. I mean, how many want to be a part of the blessings of God? How many want to be a part of the deliverance that's coming to this metro? How many want to be a part of what God is doing to bless his church financially and to bless your household, to give you wealth? I mean, not for your sake, but for his name's sake, so that the world will know that there is only one God And we're a part of that one God's church. Uh, He is in us, and we are in him. Uh, We are unified with him. This was no small feat. Verse 37, that same chapter says, That night the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men plus all the women and children. Some estimated, what, 2 million people. 2 million people. Heard the instructions and said, okay, I can do that. And just by simply that, that act of unity, not fighting it, not pushing back, not resisting it, not saying, hey, they're going to do it. If they're doing it, you know what? My $20 isn't going to make a difference. It does make a difference. Not because God needs the $20. Because, 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 but because God needs unity in the church to release everything he wants to release in our church. I mean, yeah, you might say, well, listen, I only have a little bit of talent. I mean, it's not about how much talent you have. It's about being a part of this. And when you are a part of this and when we're all a part of this, God can release everything that he wants to release upon the church. I'm here to implore the church tonight to become a part of what God is doing around here. I mean, because if you are a part of it, God is going to bless you in every situation. Uh, he's going to bless you in every way. God is going to do great things. I love being a part of things. Bishop talks about being an introvert, so I'll talk about being an extrovert. Man, I love it. I've, man, listen, I, I've, I've, always, I've, I've always been an extrovert, but even as, as a kid, I was you know, just, uh, odd and backwards a little bit, so it was a little bit tough for me, but, but instead of been in church, man, I, I love it. I, I want to be part of everything. People have come up to me. Hey, Brett, do you want to? My answer is yes. All right, I, I don't even wait. You want to know how I get so many hats around here? Because I just say yes. Sure, cool. I can do this. I can be a part of this. I just love it. I want to be part of everything. It is just fun for me. I don't know what it is about my personality. I just want to be a part of it. So whatever you're doing, just hey, listen. You're having dinner tomorrow night. You're going, hey, we have some extra food. I think Brother Clark want to come over. And the answer is yes. You don't have to be good. I don't care if you're a good cook or not. I just like hanging out with people. I like to be a part of it. Oh, hey, Carson, you doing good back there? Okay, good, cool. Good. Hang out. we we'll are almost, almost back to you. Because you only have two choices in this, guys. Two choices tonight. You can be a part of this or you can be a part from this. And these are your two options tonight. That's all God is looking for. God is looking for people who want to be a part of this. Because, listen, revival's coming. Man, (laughs) revival is coming. And I have never been more excited about living for God and what God's going to do here in the last days. I've never been more excited about seeing what God's going to do at Louisville Central. I've never been more excited about Jeffersonville. I've never been more excited about the main campus. I've never been more excited about Hope. I've never been more excited about other campuses. I am just telling you, this is the time. This is the season. It's time for all of us to be fully in on this it's not time for us to back away it's not time for us to, to, to push it off on somebody else uh, we need you to be a part of this uh, we need you to be a part of what god is doing uh, you need to be a part of this because there's somebody out there who doesn't want you to be part of this he wants to do you to be apart from this so I have my buddy carson up here sorry carson I made sure Carson was apart from this. He was down there in the front row where he should be, like young people should be, worshiping God. By the way, I love seeing our young people worship God, be in the front row, be a part of this. You got to be engaged in this. All right, you got to have your heart in this. We cannot do this halfway. But if you will let, and in this analogy, that Carson, don't get scared. But in this analogy, see, I'm 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 the devil in this analogy. I'm your flesh in this analogy. Because your flesh will pull you away. Your flesh will say, no, 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 no. no. Don't get that close to the preacher. Nope, nope. Don't get that close to ministry. No, don't mean to pull you away. Man, you got other better, you got better things to do. Is this really the best use of your talent? Because when you're by yourself. Your flesh can just jerk you around. If you decide, hey, listen, I'm just going to be an island to myself. Hey, listen, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam left his own devices just so he would have fallen to sin a whole lot sooner than he did. If he'd been left by himself, that devil would have got to him a whole lot sooner than he did. You can blame Eve all you want to. Uh, I'm here to tell you that Adam would have fallen into sin a whole lot sooner if God hadn't just le- had God and left him alone. Uh, if God leaves you alone, you'll fall into sin. Uh, if you decide to separate yourself from God, then that flesh will just grab you and jerk you around uh, because you have no control of yourself. Uh, I mean, you can't control your own flesh. Uh, I mean, God. I mean, doesn't want you to be that way. God wants you to be a part uh, of the church, but the devil. Would like to pull you apart. He would like to set you aside and say, hey, no, no, you don't really belong with them. That's He wants you to feel like, I know Carson, I made you feel like you were a spectacle. I made you feel like, like you're up here all by yourself, and you were. That's what the devil likes to make you feel tonight. He wants you to make you to feel like you're not important, uh, that the rest of the church is down there, and you're somewhere off in a corner in a shadow, and nobody notices you, uh, and nobody likes you, and nobody wants to hang out with you, uh, and nobody wants you to be a part of this group and that group. Uh, I'm here to tell you tonight, that is a lie from the pits of hell. And I mean, God wants you to be a part of this. Uh, he wants you to be on the praise team. Uh, he wants you to be a musician. Uh, he wants you to be an usher. He wants you to be on I mean, on the, on the uh, back in the sound booth running a camera. He wants you to be one of our greeters. Uh, he wants you to teach Sunday school. Uh, he wants you to be involved in kids' ministry. God wants you to be a part of the things of here where the devil would like to drag you off by yourself. Uh, he'd like to push you around and move you and tell you that you're all alone. But Carson, I have good news for you. You are not alone. I'm going to leave you alone just for a second. But you're not alone. Just one second. got to read the scripture. What's my next scripture? Pull that up for me. Ecclesiastes 4. Thanks. Sorry. Your flesh let go of you just for a second. The Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. Next verse. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But one to him that is alone, for when he falleth, he hath not another to help him up. Uh, I mean, the devil wants you to be alone because he knows you're going to fall. He knows that you're going to go down one day. But God wants you to be with somebody else. Uh, he wants you to be unified in this. Because when you're unified, uh, even when you are falling down, uh, you have somebody else uh, to pick you back up again. Now, Carson. I've been bowling you around a little bit because that's what your flesh wants to do. Your flesh is a bully. The devil's a bully. He's intimidating. Man, why do you think I grabbed Carson, not his dad? His, you think I can do this to Brother Jake? Brother, it hip toss me. Alright, so Carson, I told you this is the secret. Secret to being successful and living for God. That you're not alone. You're not by yourself. So, Carson, do me a favor. Pick two people that you want to be your bodyguards. Choose wisely. Levi. Levi. <laughs> Come here. Hey. You might. A little bigger, Bishop says. Listen to your bishop. Brother Jake. Come here. He, he said you. He volunteered you. All right, pick one more. Listen to Bishop, by the way. Ah, uh, Aaron. Come here. Cause listen, I love my son, but I'm a, I'd push him around too. <laughs> no, you stay here, buddy. He called you up. That's what friends do. It is good, man. You, young people, you ought to be unified with, with your friends. I mean, not talking about them behind their back, not gossiping about them on, on the weekend, not chatting back and forth by stuff by each other. But being unified together is important. Hey, listen, I was afraid you were going to say, Sister Gina, because you know that you just slapped me. All right, get unified. Get unified. Lock arms. Now, let me try this again. See, this is what unity does. Unity says that when your flesh tugs at you, you're attached to somebody stronger that helps you out. Unity says that when you stumble, your dad's there to help pick you up. Sorry. Unity says that hey, when I'm when I'm when the devil's trying to pull me out of church and pull me out of ministry, I don't care how strong he is, I don't care how mighty he is. Unity stops you from getting pushed around. The devil can't bully you when you're in unity. The devil can't tug at you when you're in unity. The devil can't fight you when you're in unity. He wants to get you off by yourself, where he can bully you, intimidate you, get you to give up give me to quit on God, give me to quit on the church, but God said hey, when I have a unified church why are you bringing unity church? You better stay unified because you never know when the attacks going to come. He might try to fight one of the other ones, but he's going to know that when you have a unified body because two are stronger than one, and if one could put a thousand to fight, and two could put ten thousand to fight, how many more can this church put to fight tonight? We have got to be unified together because this is how we're going to overcome the devils in this metro. This is how we're going to overcome everything that's been fighting us in Jeff. It's by being unified. We can't do it by ourselves. We need you to be a part of this. And verse 12 of that chapter says, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Brothers, why do you stop being unified on me? I know, listen, I know it might not seem cool to lock arms together for 10 minutes or so, but give me 10 more minutes of unified back there, would you, brothers? Because when you're unified, you're strong. When you're unified, you can accomplish things. Paul told the church in, the, in the Ephesians, He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Stay unified, brothers, but, but walk towards me if you would. This is what I mean by submitting yourself one to another. They're moving at a pace uh, that, that that one's not leaving the other behind. Keep following with me, brothers. Uh, when you're submitting yourselves one to another, you're saying, hey, you might be younger than me. You might not be as strong as me, but you can accomplish this. Uh, I'm taking you along the ride with me. I mean, you might not be where I'm at in my prayer life, uh, but hey, I'm going to have the elders instruct the youngers. Uh, I'm going to help bring them along on this ride. But uh, when, when we're unified, we're strong. Uh, hey, we are are unified. We can submit ourselves one to another and not be worried about uh, anything else happening in our lives and going wrong and all these things uh, because we have a brother or a sister to help us get through. Your body, it submits itself to each other. My bones are strong, but they're submitted to the muscles my muscles start moving, my bones to say, hey, I better go along with the ride here a little bit. Uh, I have veins that are, that are they're, they're, they're pumping blood uh, through my body, but those veins are submitted to my skin. Uh, as I move my hands around, my veins are submitted to the rest of my body. All these things are happening because when you are not in movement with the body of Christ, uh, go ahead and start moving, brothers. This is what it looks like when somebody tries. Ah, you know what? I don't want to go that way. When you're dragging your feet, Say why? Why are we doing this, Pastor? Why are you making me? Why are you making me pray? I don't want to go that way. All you're doing is dragging down the church. Uh, all you're doing is slowing down progress. Uh, all you're doing is pulling back. Uh, even when you're just resisting a little bit, uh, you're tugging on the direction of the church. Uh, come on, we don't need anybody to be dead weight tonight. Uh, we need you to get hooked up with the body of Christ uh, and say, Pastor, wherever you tell me to go, that's where I'm going to go. However you tell me to pray, that's how I'm going to pray. Whatever you tell me to give. Uh, that's how I'm going to give. Uh, because when we do that, uh, man, we're going to be unstoppable. Whenever we become this body that's fully unified together, we're going to be this unstoppable force uh, of the church. Uh, and we're going to conquer this world. Uh, we're going to conquer this metro. We're going to overcome sin and the devil. Because when you have a unified body, there is no devil in hell that can come against it. Uh, there is no sin that can pull you out. Uh, man. When you are unified in the church, my God, I want to be a part of it. Whew. But you better watch it. This is not the time to be resisting. Because the Bible says back in that chapter of Matthew, we were in earlier when he's teaching about unity. He said, If thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. You're, if you're a part of this, then you better be part of this or else God's going to make you apart from this. And this, he, he said it right there in his word. He said to cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast in everlasting fire. You're not so important. I remember when I first moved here, Bishop was saying from the beginning, one of us are not, not as important as all of us. So you better be a part of this because if you're not, God's going to cut you off. And now is not the time. He said it earlier tonight. Uh, there was a family in the book of Acts uh, who said, hey, I'm only going to give partially. I'm only going to say one thing, but then do something else. Uh, and God said, no, no, no. You're not going to disrupt this unity of this church. Uh, and he struck him dead right there in front of everybody. Because that is how important the unity of the church is uh, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, he would say, I'd rather the body... Not have a hand or have a foot. I'd rather take the eye and pluck it out and enter into heaven. Lame and halted, all those things than to go in there with a disunified, dislocated, disjointed body. But when you're a part of the body, be a part of the body. He went into heaven the first time with holes in his hands, a hole in his side. He ain't scared to do it again. So you better become a part of this or God's going to rip you out of this body. But I'm going to be here for what God has for his church. I said, I'm going to be here for what God has for his church. How many of you are going to be here? How many of you are going to see this through? I'm not here just just for the beginning. I'm not going to be here just through the middle. I'm going to be here to the very end. He who endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. How many want to be a part of God's church? How many want to see this all the way through? How many want to see what God will do with a unified body? Same with me if you would. How's my unity doing back there? A little soft. All right. Because when it came time in John chapter 17 for Jesus to pray for his body before he ascended into heaven, this was his prayer. Neither pray I, neither pray I for those alone, but for them which also shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me in the glory which thou gavest me i have given them that they may be one even as we are one i and them and thou were and thou and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me that's what unity does Lest the world know we're one as he is one. And when you, when we are that, this world is going to come flocking to the church. When we become as unified, listen, I'm not saying that we don't have unity. Right? I'm just reinforcing what we already have. I'm reinforcing I'm saying, well, we got to get stronger in it. Right? This is what the Lord asked me to say tonight. That when we become fully what what is going to happen on Sunday? When a hundred percent of the members of this church give what God told them to give in a million-dollar mission, what is going to be released in this place on Sunday? What kind of blessing is going to be released on your job? What kind of blessing you released in your family? How many backsliders uh, are going to come back to this church? Is it really worth holding on to that extra hundred dollars a week? Uh, is it really worth holding on to the extra $1,000 a month when uh, you can see the greatest revival just by being a part of what God is doing? What's, what is going to happen when all of our small groups have 100% attendance every time? Every time our bishop has asked us to do it, I'm just reinforced what the bishop has asked. What is gonna? what is going to break loose? What kind of salvation? How many more families are going to come into the knowledge of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ? Because 100% of the people that are part of the body went to 100% of the small group meetings. What is going to be... You didn't clap so much on that one, I guess. What is going to happen? When a hundred percent, listen, the world says that I, hey, listen, 20% of the work, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. That's not how God designed it. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I don't prescribe to the things of this world. What is going to be released when a hundred percent of us are in pre-service prayer? What's going to be released when 100% of us are teaching Bible studies? What's going to be released when 100% of us uh, are praying people through to the gift of the Holy Ghost? Uh, What is going to be released uh, in this metro when every single one of us uh, do our part uh, and become a full part of the body of Christ? So here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to come down to the front of the body of Christ, If it works appropriate, lock our men, men, women, women, husbands, wives, whatever. I want us to become unified. Brothers, you are dismissed. Thank you for. We're going to pray. We're not going to pray haphazardly. We're not going to pray for whatever it is you feel in your mind and wander like this, but we are going to pray as a body of Christ. And I just, I feel we're, we're going to pray for this weekend. And I'm going to turn it over to our bishop. and uh, Bishop that's O'Reilly, I'm going to have you come and lead us in prayer for this weekend. And then whatever else he feels. Because I believe that God wants us to demonstrate that when the entire body can come together and pray in unity. Not thinking about tomorrow. Not thinking about work. Not thinking about your bills. Not thinking, but focusing right here right now that our prayer at just a couple minutes or one minute before nine o'clock that the difference that we can make when we begin to pray so bishop if you don't mind come lead us let's pray together father